Matthew chapter 2, verses 3 through 11 of Catina Aurora, Commentary on the Four Gospels, Collected out of the Works of the Fathers, by St. Thomas Aquinas. Verse 3 through 6. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor, that shall rule my people Israel. Augustine. As the Magi seek a redeemer, so Herod fears a successor. Loss. The king he is called, though in comparison with him whom they are seeking, he is an alien and a foreigner. Pseudo Chrysostom. Herald was troubled when he heard that a king was born of Jewish lineage, lest himself, being an Idumean, the kingdom should return again to native princes, and himself be expelled, and his seed after him. Great station is ever obnoxious to great fears, as the boughs of trees planted in high ground move when never so little wind blows, so high men are troubled with little rumors while the lowly, like trees in the valley, remain at peace. Augustine. If his birth as an infant makes proud kings tremble, what will his tribunal as a judge do? Let princes fear him, sitting at the right hand of his father, whom this impious king feared while he hanged yet on his mother's breast. Leo. Thou art troubled, Herod, without cause. Thy nature cannot contain Christ, nor is the Lord of the world content with the narrow bounds of thy dominion. He whom thou wouldest not should reign in Judea, reigns everywhere. Clause. Perhaps he was troubled not on his own account, but for fear of the displeasure of the Romans. They would not allow the title of king or of God, or any without their permission. Gregory. At the birth of a king of heaven, a king of earth is troubled. Surely, earthly greatness is confounded when heavenly greatness shows itself. Leo. Herod represents the devil, who, as he then instigated him, so now he unwarily imitates him. For he is grieved by the calling of the Gentiles, and by the daily ruin of his power. Pseudo Chrysostom. Both have their own causes of jealousy. Both fear a successor in their kingdom. Herod, an earthly successor, the devil, a spiritual. Even Jerusalem is troubled, which should have rejoiced at that news, when a Jewish king was said to be risen up. But they were troubled, for the wicked cannot rejoice at the coming of the good. Or perhaps it was in fear that Herod should wreck his wrath against a Jewish king on his race. Gloss. Jerusalem was troubled with him, as willing to favor him whom it feared. The vulgar always pay undue honor to one who tyrannizes over it. Observe the diligence of his inquiry. If he should find him, he would do to him as he showed afterwards his disposition. If he should not, he would, at least, be excused to the Romans. Rigmig. They were called scribes, not from the employment of writing, but from the interpretation of the scriptures, for they were doctors of the law. Observe, he does not inquire where Christ is born, but where he should be born. The subtle purpose of this was to see if they would show pleasure at the birth of their king. He calls him Christ, because he knew that the king of the Jews was anointed. Pseudo Chrysostom. 
Why does Herod make this inquiry, seeing he believed not the scriptures? Or if he did believe, how could he hope to be able to kill him whom the scriptures declared should be king? The devil instigated him, who believed that scripture lies not. Such is the faith of devils, who are not permitted to have perfect belief, even of that which they do believe. That they do believe, it is the force of truth constrains them. That they do not believe, it is that they are blinded by the enemy. If they had perfect faith, they would live as about to depart from this world soon, not as to possess it forever. Leo. The Magi, judging his men, sought in the royal city for him whom they had been told was born a king. But he who took the form of a servant and came not to judge, but to be judged, chose Bethlehem for his birth, Jerusalem for his death. Theodotus. Had he chosen the mighty city of Rome, it might have been thought that this change of the world had been wrought by the might of her citizens. Had he been born the son of the emperor, his power might have aided him. But what was his choice? All that was mean, all that was in low esteem, that in this transformation of the world divinity might at once be recognized. Therefore he chose a poor woman for his mother, a poor country for his native country. He has no money, and this stable is his cradle. Gregory, rightly is he born in Bethlehem, which signifies the house of bread, who said, I am the living bread, who came down from heaven. Pseudo Chrysostom, when they should have kept secret the mystery of the king appointed of God, especially before a foreign king, straightway they became not preachers of the word of God, but revealers of his mystery. And they not only displayed the mystery, but cite the passage of the prophet, viz. Micah, gloss. He quotes this prophecy as they quote who give the sense and not the words. Jerome. The Jews here are blamed for ignorance, for whereas the prophecy says, Thou Bethlehem Ephratah, they say Bethlehem in the land of Judea. Pseudo Chrysostom. By cutting short the prophecy, they became the cause of the murder of the innocents. For the prophecy proceeds, From thee shall go forth a king who shall feed my people Israel, and his day shall be from everlasting. Had they cited the whole prophecy, Herod would not have raged so madly, considering that it could not be an earthly king whose days were spoken of as from everlasting. Jerome, the following is the sense of the prophecy, Thou Bethlehem of the land of Judea, or Ephrathah, which is added to distinguish it from another Bethlehem in Galilee. Though thou art a small village among the thousand cities of Judah, yet out of thee shall be born Christ, who shall be the ruler of Israel who, according to the flesh of the seed of David, but was born of me before the worlds. And therefore it is written, His goings forth are of old. In the beginning was the word. Gloss. This latter half of the prophecy the Jews dropped, and the other parts they altered, either through ignorance, as was said above, or for perspicuity, that Herod, who was a foreigner, might better understand the prophecy. Thus for Ephratah, they said, Land of Judea, and for little among the thousands of Judah, which expresses its smallness, contrasted with the multitude of the people, they said, not the least among the princes, willing to show the high dignity that would come from the birth of the prince, as if they had said, Thou art great among cities from which princes have come. Rigmig. Or the other sense is, Though little among the cities that have dominion, yet art thou not the least, for out of thee shall come the ruler, who shall rule my people Israel. 
This ruler is Christ, who rules and guides his faithful people. Chrysostom. Observe the exactness of the prophecy. It is not he shall be in Bethlehem, but shall come out of Bethlehem, showing that he should only be born there. What reason is there for applying this to Zerubbabel, as some do? For his goings forth were not from everlasting, nor did he go forth from Bethlehem, but was born in Babylonia. The expression, art not the least, is a further proof, for none but Christ could make the town where he was born illustrious. And after that birth there came men from the utmost ends of the world to see the stable and manger. He calls him not the Son of God, but the ruler who shall govern my people Israel. For thus he ought to condescend at the first, that they should not be scandalized, but should preach such things as more pertained to salvation, that they might be gained. Who shall rule my people Israel, is said mystically, for those of the Jews who believed. For if Christ ruled not all the Jews, theirs is the blame. Meanwhile he is silent respecting the Gentiles, that the Jews might not be scandalized. Mark this wonderful ordinance. Jews and Magi mutually instruct each other. The Jews learn of the Magi that the star had proclaimed Christ in the east, the Magi from the Jews that the prophets had spoken of him of old. Thus confirmed by a twofold testimony, they would look with more ardent faith for one whom the brightness of the star and the voice of the prophets equally proclaimed. Augustine. The star that guided the Magi to the spot where was the infant God with his virgin mother might have conducted them straight to the town, but it vanished and showed not itself again to them till the Jews themselves had told them the place where the Christ should be born. Bethlehem of Judea. Liken this to those who built the ark for Noah, providing others with a refuge, themselves perished in the flood, or like the stones by the road that show the miles, but themselves are not able to move. The inquirers heard and departed. The teachers spake and remained still. Even now the Jews show us something similar. For some pagans, when clear passages of Scripture are shown them, which prophesy of Christ, suspecting them to be forged by the Christians, have recourse to Jewish copies. Thus they leave the Jews to read unprofitably, and go themselves to believe faithfully. Verses 7-9 through nine. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, and said, Go, and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. Pseudo Chrysostom As soon as Herod had heard the answer, though doubly authenticated, both by the authority of the priests and the passage from the prophets, he yet turned not to worship the king that was to be born, but sought how he might put him to death by subtlety. He saw that the Magi were neither to be won by flattery, nor awed by threats, nor bribed by gifts, to consent to this murder. He sought therefore to deceive them. He privily called the wise men, that the Jews, whom he suspected, might not know of it. For he thought they would incline the rather to a king of their own nation. Rigmig, diligently inquired, craftily, for he feared that they would not return to him and then he should know how he should do to put the young child to death. Pseudo-Augustine. The star had been seen, and with great wonder, nearly two years before. We are to understand that it was signified to them whose the star was, which was visible all that time until he whom it signified was born. 
Then, as soon as Christ was made known to them, they set out, and came and worshipped him in thirteen days from the east. Chrysostom, or the star appeared to them a long time before, because the journey would take up some time, and they were to stand before him immediately on his birth, and seeing him in swaddling clothes, he might seem the more wonderful. Gloss. According to others, the star was first seen on the day of the Nativity, and having accomplished its end, ceased to be. Thus Flagentius says, the boy at his birth created a new star. Though they now knew both the time and the place, he still would not have them ignorant of the person of the child. Go, he says, and inquire diligently of the young child. A commission they would have executed even if he had not commanded it. Chrysostom. Concerning the young child, he says, not of the king. He envies him the regal title. Pseudo-Chrysostom. To induce them to do this, he put on the color of devotion, beneath which he wetted the sword, hiding the malice of his heart under color of humility. Such is the manner of the malicious. When they would hurt any one in secret, they feign meekness and affection. Gregory. He feigns a wish of worshipping him only, that he may discover him, and put him to death. Rigmig. The Magi obeyed the king, so far as to seek the Lord, but not to return to Herod. Like in this to good hearers, the good they hear from wicked preachers, that they do, but they do not imitate their evil lives. Verse 9. And lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. Pseudo-Chrysostom. This passage shows that when the star had brought the Magi nearly to Jerusalem, it was hidden from them, and so they were compelled to ask in Jerusalem where Christ should be born, and thus to manifest him to them, on two accounts. First, to put to confusion the Jews, inasmuch as the Gentiles, instructed only by sight of a star, saw Christ through strange lands, while the Jews who had read the prophets from their youth did not receive him, though born in their country. Secondly, that the priests, when asked where Christ should be born, might answer to their now condemnation, and while they instructed Herod, they were themselves ignorant of him. The star went before them, to show them the greatness of the king. Augustine. To perform its due service to the Lord, it advanced slowly, leading them to the spot. He was ministering to him, and not ruling his fate. Its light showed the supplicants and filled the inn, shed over the walls and roof that covered the berth, and thus it disappeared. Pseudo-Chrysostom. What wonder that a divine star should minister to the sun of righteousness about to rise. It stood over the child's head, as it were, saying, This is he, proving by its place that it had no voice to utter. Gloss. It is evident that the star must have been in the air, and close above the house where the child was, else it would not have pointed out the exact house. Ambrose. The star is the way, and the way is Christ, and according to the mystery of the Incarnation, Christ is a star. He is a blazing and a morning star. Thus where Herod is, the star is not seen. Where Christ is, there it is again seen, and points out the way. Rigmig. Or the star figures the grace of God in Herod the devil. He who by sin puts himself in the devil's power loses that grace. But if he return by repentance, he soon finds that grace again which leaves him not till it have brought him to the young child's house, i.e. the church. Gloss. Or the star is the illumination of faith, which leads him to the nearest aid. While they turn aside to the Jews, the Magi lose it. 
so those who seek counsel of the bad lose the true light. Verse 10 and 11. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gloss. This service of the star is followed by the rejoicing of the Magi. Rigmig. And it was not enough to say they rejoiced, but they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Pseudo-Chrysostom. They rejoiced because their hopes were not falsified but confirmed, and because the toil of so great travail had not been undertaken in vain. Gloss. He rejoices indeed who rejoices on God's account, who is the true joy. With great joy, he says, for they had great cause. Pseudo-Chrysostom. By the mystery of this star, they understood that the dignity of the king then born exceeded the measure of all worldly kings. Rigmig. He adds greatly, showing that men rejoice, moreover, what they have lost than over what they possess. Leo, though in stature a babe, needing the aid of others, unable to speak, and different in nothing from other infants, yet such faithful witnesses, showing the unseen divine majesty which was in him, ought to have proved most certainly that that was the eternal essence of the Son of God that had taken upon him the true human nature. Pseudo-Chrysostom. Mary his mother, not crowned with a diadem or lying on a golden couch, but with barely one garment, not for ornaments but for covering, and that such as the wife of a carpenter when abroad might have, had they therefore come to seek an earthly king, they would have been more confounded than rejoiced, deeming their pains thrown away. But now they looked for a heavenly king, so that, though they saw not of regal estate, that star's witness sufficed them, and their eyes rejoiced to behold a despised boy, the Spirit showing him to their hearts in all his wonderful power. They fell down and worshipped. Seeing the man, they acknowledged the God. Rabanus. Joseph was absent by divine command, that no wrongful suspicions might occur to the Gentiles. Gloss. In these offerings, we observe their national customs, gold, frankincense, and various spices, abounding among the Arabians. Yet they intended thereby to signify something in a mystery. Gregory. Gold as to a king, frankincense as sacrifice to God, myrrh as embalming the body of the dead. Augustine. Gold as paid to a mighty king, frankincense as offered to God, myrrh as to one who is to die for the sins of all. Pseudo-Chrysostom. And though it were not then understood what these several gifts mystically signified, that is no difficulty. The same grace that instigated them to the deed ordained the whole. Rigmig. And it is to be known that each did not offer a different gift, but each one the three things, each one thus proclaiming the king, the god, and the man. Chrysostom. Let Marcion and Paul of Samosa then blush, who will not see what the Magi saw, whose progenitors of the church adoring God in the flesh, that he was truly in the flesh, the swaddling clothes, and the stall prove, yet that they worshipped him not as mere man, but as God. The gifts prove which it was becoming to offer to God. Let the Jews also be ashamed, seeing the Magi coming before them, and themselves not even earnest to tread in their path. Gregory. 
something further may yet be meant here wisdom is typified by gold as solomon saith in the proverbs a treasure to be desired is in the mouth of the wise by frankincense which is burnt before god the power of prayer is intended as in the psalms let my speech come before thee as incense in myrrh is prefigured mortification of the flesh to a king at his birth we offer gold if we shine in his sight with the light of wisdom we offer frankincense if we have power before god by the sweet savour of our prayers we offer myrrh when we mortify by abstinence the lusts of the flesh gloss the three men who offer signify the nations who come from the three quarters of the earth they open their treasures i e manifest the faith of their hearts by confession rightly in the house teaching that we should not ingloriously display the treasure of a good conscience they bring three gifts i e the faith in the holy trinity or opening the stores of scripture they offer its threefold sense historical moral and allegorical or logic psychic and ethics making them all serve the faith end of matthew chapter 2 verses 3 through 11